A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You don't just become a renovator, you become a problem solver. And I think if you have the ability to do that and think on your feet, and back yourself, then that's my biggest why. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're back with renovation coach Julie White. She'll reveal how she renovated one property to another due to her passion and love for property You'll learn how the single mother managed to build her portfolio and a business as well as hot tips on how to renovate that could ultimately help you with your dream home. Despite experiencing obstacles along her property investing journey, Wyatt talks about the moments where everything just clicked. It sounds very negative to talk about your worst in investing moment and mine was fairly fairly major but there's been some amazing stuff as well and I think the thing that stands out for me the most is the working very closely with my very first mentor and then you know just just learning the basics for me that was huge so how to put a property under contract I didn't even know that I had to ring her and say what do I do and she's like oh geez Julie come on just get a contract and put a price on it. I said, what if I don't have it? I, Because literally, the first property I bought, I had no money. I was waiting for my divorce settlement and I needed $42,000, which doesn't sound a huge amount now, but for me, it was huge. I needed to borrow that off someone because I needed to pay a deposit and you know get the ball rolling and put thing under contract. And I remember the conversation with her and she said, I'm not going to do this for you. You need to actually think outside the square on this I know you don't have any money right now and you want this property so what are you going to do about it and I went oh my okay (laughs) it's one of those okay I actually have to all right so what am I going to do here so I came up with a plan I had a very good friend who had some money and so again this was completely out of my comfort zone so I rang him and I said would you lend me forty thousand dollars as soon as I get my payment for my divorce, I will, I will pay the money back. And he said, absolutely, no-brainer. And I went, oh, my God, why didn't I ask him a long time before now instead of putting myself under all this pressure and what if and, you know. But really, when you think about it, there's skin in the game here, right? I had to actually think outside the square. I had to borrow some money and now I really had to make this work. I was like... This is not my money and just my money anymore. I actually borrowed off someone. I need to pay them back with interest, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they're big thing. For their, for me, this was huge. I'd never asked anyone for anything. I was a very independent person. So for me, it was also like, oh, how, how else am I going to get this going? It's really hard. So, you know, I mean, and then once I got that property and kept the ball rolling, um, it became easier to talk to people about financial stuff. I didn't. I wasn't so self-conscious about it. I thought, I'm good at this. I'm good at finding. I'm good at finding deals. People are trusting my judgment. That the numbers are adding up. I was good at putting joint ventures to put together. I was good at 
all of the on the ground stuff. So joint venture partners were quite happy to work with me because I, I I had the mentor to back me up as well, but also could do all of the nuts and bolts day to day stuff. So all of those things were, you know, when you're on a roll and things just move, you know that you that it's going in the right direction. After having immense support from a mentor, she goes on to explain how her strategy led her into renovating. Where I learned to renovate was somewhere that you would probably not even think of a market being important. But when I started my journey, it was just the start of the iron ore boom in the Pilbara. So the house prices in the area were were really low when I first started. So I started picking up ridiculous priced houses, so, you know, 50000 60000 for a house. And, you know, doing a renovation in, in, in a schmick suburb in Sydney and doing a renovation in downtown Port Hedland are very, very different. So really had to learn the strategy about a targeted renovation, so not overcapitalising, working out what your target um, buyer is going to be after. So they're the things I learned really quickly. And then how to do it on a budget is really, really important. As I said, doing a lot of stuff yourself is also important, but um, also just basically, you know, learning out what's going to make you the money, um, how can you do it quickly, and making lots of mistakes, as I did. Uh, some of our renovations weren't pretty in the early days, but, hey, you know, if you can buy a house for fifty or 60000 and then sell it for three or 400 like, why wouldn't you? You know, that that was just how crazy it was in that, in that time. So um, always, I suppose, that part of the renovations is targeting, targeting it towards where your end goal is um, and buying well and, you know, doing a budget renovation that didn't cost you an awful lot but looks amazing. Um, they're, the, the, they're probably the, th- the three key things that I have figured out um, how to make money and how to make it fast. And then when you go to a different market like I'm in now, it's like who's your end buyer going to be and who is going to want – so if it's for a family, what are you going to do differently? You know, all those sorts of things are really practical. So renovating with your end buyer in, in mind is really, really important. And then also styling and staging the property at the end, like all the stuff that you learn as you're going along. As her strategy encouraged her to be quite hands-on, she reflects on other strategies and if she would have done things differently. I got better at that because I got older and my hands aren't so great anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've had to get better at standing back and going, okay, well, I can actually pay someone this much money and they can do it this much quicker. So, you know, common sense says if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be the overseer or the project manager of your renovation, then um, that's the strategy that we've been using probably the last 12 months, which is disappointing because I actually really like getting in and getting dirty. But hey, um, it's it's quicker and faster and makes more sense. And we've got a good team now, so we know that we can call on X person to come do the plumbing or, you know, we've got a good bunch of tradies who we know will do a good job and they want to work for us. So that makes a huge difference. And I don't feel like I'm um, just handing over control to someone else. Always very much involved, but, you know, uh, makes more sense and you can get things done a lot quicker if you're not doing it yourself. The only challenge that we all face is, and this happens with every single industry, is to actually get time in of the tradies to get the work done. You know, you can't always know. And it's just a juggling act, especially when you do have good tradies, but at the same time, you've got to manage our time and their time together to get things done. Well, that's the thing that I found 
the most working with the clients I've worked with is having a plan is paramount. I just it astounds me how many people, uh, and I've got a very good friend here who her husband is one of the worst at this. He'll he when she went to the football a couple of years ago, she he just got in there with a sledgehammer and just bashed down a wall that was inside their lounge room and then just left it. And she's like, "What are you doing? What I mean, where was the plan here? You can't just." like smash a wall down and then just go, oh, well, what are we going to do now? And I see that a lot where people have just gone full hell on bent in with a sledgehammer and then gone, right, so that's not there anymore. Now what are we going to do? And like, it just astounds me that, that that's a really common thing. Like there's no planning. And you still see these, you still see these people renovating after 10 years and you're like, wow, <laughs> you can do a targeted renovation in six weeks. And, you know, with a plan and having your tradies all sorted and all of that, which is what we do, or you can see the flip side of that where people have just gone, oh, it sounded like a great idea to just knock that out and then I don't quite know what I'm going to do now and just shake your head and go, wow, okay. As she has completed 11 renovations throughout her journey, she talks about the types of work she does on properties. I guess my bread and butter renovations are cosmetic. Um, Cosmetic is just much easier. I haven't really gone into structural stuff mainly because you can do and have so much fun with cosmetic and move on quickly so and that going back to what I was saying before when you walk into a property and other people would be scared off by it that's usually a good sign that you're onto a winner so um you know and some of the some of the local agents here ring me up when there's a hoarder's house or there's a um, what did I look at the other day? Uh, ex-drug laboratory type house. I mean, all those houses that have been taken back by the banks and you see the way that some people live and you think, wow, you know, but it it's, you know, it happens. So um, one house that I bought up in Port Hedland, it was a rates default property. So the person had just stopped paying their rates and the council just wanted to get rid of it and then the bank, they just wanted it gone. So I, I bought it. I think it was about sixty grand. I had to pay for it. But um, when it, when I looked at it, it had this god awful cacti right out the front, right up to the roof line. There were snakes in the grass out the back. The whole house had been trashed. It was just dreadful. And lots of people that I knew had looked at the house and just went, "Nah, nah." But I bought it, and I thought, you know, for sixty grand, you know, you buy it as is, and you have to deal with whatever you deal with. So. I was a little bit adventurous, I suppose, a bit silly maybe, but it taught me a lot. Hey, <laughs> you just got to make it work. What happened with that particular property? What was the outcome? That was a property, I, I think it was my second or third property and it, and I was also running a business um, up in Port Hedland for BHP at the time and I bought it and I renovated all the inside of it and I, I had a friend in Margaret River that was also part of this mentoring property uh, property um, group that I was in and she said oh I'll buy it off you because the cash flow was crazy up there then like we were getting ridiculous rental um, income from properties in the iron ore boom so I think I sold it to her for about 145,000 so I still made some good money out of it I think only I think I put $20,000 into the renovation on a credit card and um and then, yeah, sold it to her and then she finished it off. So it's one of those ones where I just had to juggle too many balls and I thought, well, if she wants to finish it, I'll keep moving on with another one that I was doing. So, yeah, it was um, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I think she's still got that. <laughs> so the income out of the property isn't so great anymore because the mining boom has stopped and things have returned to normal as they do in mining towns. 
White goes on to share a bit about her most recent renovation. We live down uh, south of Perth at the moment. We did one in Shoalwater, which is uh, right on the beach. It's a lovely place. Um, bought this house and it had been on the market for about nine months. It was a divorce settle, uh, divorce situation and they uh, were um, pretty, pretty happy to negotiate. So we got a, the house for a good price. I think we paid five hundred twenty thousand for it. It was in a great state of disrepair. So it's a it's a wooden house, which is different to a lot of houses down here. But it had a lot of things that were um, always. I don't know if you've heard of Dolph Deroos, but his 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 strategy, yeah, Dolph's strategy is always buy a house that you can add value to and that has multiple streams of income possible. So when I looked at this house, I went, okay. So it's got a guest house attached to it. It had a spa. It had a heap of stuff. And and I thought, this can be beautiful again. Um, so we took our time with this one because we were both working at stuff. So I think it's good us about six months to renovate it. Um, again, just cosmetic, but it just came up beautifully. And then we got it revalued for um, 640000 uh, And it was in a the middle of a couple of years back now, it was um, it was you know the market down here is terrible. So to to make an equity gain of seventy or eighty thousand was pretty good. Even at that price point, six hundred forty thousand. What kind of whereabouts is it located? Is it like near the water or something? It's very close to the water. Yeah, but it's also a very big property and it's and it's unique. So again, there's pluses and minuses of doing that. Sometimes it's hard to value a property like that because there's there's not a lot of other um, properties are the same in the area so yeah but um again that was just cosmetic this was paint paint and a new kitchen new bathroom but just made a huge difference to the overall look of the property and i think um that the valuers could see that but it's changed the the streetscape as well so it's quite interesting um we we had that as a feature in your property investment magazine, which was interesting. And lots of people said, "Oh, you can't make an equity gain in Perth." And of course you can. Of course you can. It's um, just thinking about it the right way and going about it as strategic renovation. So, as it was a cosmetic renovation, she dives into the details about how much she spent on that particular property. We probably spent a bit more than we should have, but but we 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 justified it as you do because we're living in it. So we spent about fifty-two, fifty-three thousand on it. Um, but it was, uh, like I said, it was old cedar wood, so everything had to be um, sealed and stained. And then the painters took a long time to paint all the outside and the inside. So there's a fair bit of cost in all of that. But having it done professionally made a huge difference. And because we're living in it, so PPR, we wanted to spend that extra money, have a nice kitchen, you know, have all the things that we wanted in the in the property. So. It was a good equity gain and it allowed us to then go ahead and, and purchase other properties as well. So, Coming up after the break, we hear about the kind of mindset Wyatt has adopted when it comes to renovating properties. I love turning old houses into beautiful places to live but also the, the upside to that is that you can make a very good income from doing that. And you can teach your kids to do the same. The best advice she has received throughout her property journey? I had some pretty harsh advice from my initial mentor. She used to give me a hard time. Uh, I, I needed that though. Like I really needed someone to be not, not nice with me but to be real with me. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory.
due to an impressive portfolio, why it delves into her biggest why for doing property renovations. I love it. That's just simple as it is, hey. <laughs> I mean, it is, you have to be crazy to renovate and just ask any renovator. I think if you don't enjoy doing it, then don't. It's one of those things where, and like you, you touched on this before, not always, they don't always go smoothly and often old houses can throw the biggest curveballs as well. So you don't just become a renovator, you become a problem solver. And I think if you have the ability to do that and think on your feet and back yourself, then um, that's my biggest why. I love turning old houses into beautiful places to live. But also the, the upside to that is that you can make a very good income from doing that. And you can teach your kids to do the same. And that's part of the reasons why I've started out my you know in coaching because i had so many people come and ask me like they could see how successful we've been and they're like oh, how do you do that so you know how do you start how, what do you do and i'm you know so when you know that there's a lot of people who are interested and when you've got things like the block and all these property shows out there that make it look so easy it's real easy when you've got a team of tradies working behind the scenes you know it's not real but you know, when people see the money that's generated and stuff, they they go, oh, so I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you need to educate yourself. You need to, it's not something you can just snap your fingers and pick up. But if you spend that time and educate yourself, then there's no reason why you can't do this stuff. So I guess that's why, I mean, I used to, <laughs> my business coach will probably tell me off for saying this, but I used to go to people's houses and just, spend hours on there in there talking about what they could do and and the best places to you know to target if they wanted to increase either the selling price or their equity or whatever and i thought well because it's just because i love doing it and then i thought well people are asking me lots of questions there obviously is interest out there so that's kind of how i got into this so um you know i think um if i can impact and help other people and help them from a place if they're in the place that I was in when I started, then that's got to be a good thing. Because it's yeah, it's scary when you're on your own and, you, and you're a single parent and you're going, I want to have a great future for my child, but how do I go about that? And, and like you can make bad investment decisions if you don't have that education behind you. So that's, that's the reason I'm doing this stuff because I really, really love it. Always admiring her talented mentor who she was able to learn from in the beginning of her property journey she talks about other resources that have helped her along the way. I think being with that mentor for the first year really opened my eyes to the fact that whenever I do something that I've never done before, I want someone who's done that before. So if I wanted, like I'm building a business, so I have a business coach. I believe mindset's very important. So I regularly go to mindset type events like I'll, I have a friend that runs retreats in Bali where we spend uh, three days just just mindset sounds so trivial but it's so important and I think if you don't spend the time on those things then you're not growing you know what I mean so any any time I've I've invested lots and lots and lots of money and time learning from learning different strategies with people Um, I'm working with a, a, a property coach at the moment as well so you know I never stop my learning and and I think that's really really important I think that's what maybe stop some people where they they don't see that investing that money or that time or that commitment is important but it's so like you just can't not do that um yeah i just i think that's one of the most important things that i've learned that 
I need to be continually learning because the market's always changing and it's not going to stay static. It's changing again as we speak. So it's one of those things where if I don't know something, then I invest the time and the money to learn that strategy or learn how to do that particular thing. So I just think that's so important. Apart from mentors and mindset events, the renovation coach also shares her book and audio recommendations that have ultimately inspired her. Well, I like listening to your podcast. There's, there's so many different people on there. It's amazing. So podcast and like obviously media is very, very good. But the book that I reckon started everything, started making me question everything in my life was um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. That's That was before I started probably investing. But when I read that book, I went, wow, it, like it really, I think it started my self-development guide. You know what I mean? Like self-improvement. You start thinking differently, and of course, there's so many different authors out there. Um, any of the books by Dipna Boholt, who was my first mentor, are, are amazing. There's so many; I can't even I can't reel them all off now. But I mean, just being part of those communities as well, like being part of property networks and and communities where people who are like-minded um, sit and talk about stuff and bandy ideas around. I think all of those things are invaluable. Um, I don't get so much time to read, which annoys me, <laughs> but um, probably audiobooks is the way to go. Throughout her property investing journey, Wyatt reflects on the best advice she has received. I had some pretty harsh advice from my initial mentor. She used to give me a hard time. Uh, I, I needed that though. Like I really needed someone to be not, not nice with me, but to be real with me. And she always used to say things like, never, ever give up don't give up. Why would you give up when you are that close to succeeding? You know, like you you don't want to do a certain thing. Well, find a way to do it. And the second thing is invest in yourself. Always invest in yourself. And it's false economy not to. Seriously, if you don't know a particular bit of knowledge, to not invest in yourself is to, denying you access to greater knowledge, greater doability of everything, you know. So, they're the two things I think advice that mentors have given me and 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 holding you accountable. And whether that be with a mentor or with your family members or with a group of like-minded people, I think when you are part of those sorts of organisations or you have that sort of set up, it just makes so much, so much sense and it makes you successful. It really does. I love that bit of advice. Never, ever give up because... It's too easy to just, you know, throw in the towel and walk off because when it's not working, but just keep persisting and it works. Yeah, absolutely. But lots of people do. And I think, you know, a lot of people have asked me, I mean, you know, you've heard my story and you've you've heard that things always haven't gone, you know, haven't always gone the way that that I expected them to. And I could have walked away when, when I had that unfortunate incident with the bankruptcy, but... Um, I thought, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk away because that would be like a waste of ten years of my life. It's crazy, you know. Like, um, I don't want to throw away all that knowledge because I have so much knowledge that I know that I can succeed at this. I just have to do it differently. So, your mindset, it, like, I know a lot of property investors, and I know a lot of them don't actually think too much about this. They think, oh, yeah, that's all gobbledygook and, you know, woo-woo stuff. But seriously, it's so important. If the renovation expert had some time to reflect on her past self 10 years ago, we find out what she would have said to herself. I would say to, to her, educate yourself. 
Absolutely, and believe in yourself because I don't think I did back then. That was the biggest problem for me. I wasn't, um, I wasn't thinking the, perhaps the way that I think now. Um, I would say it is possible, and I would say just start. Don't keep analysing. Don't keep procrastinating. It is, it is what it is. Get in the start. Get the basics right and do it. And, and lots of people that I talk to every day. They never kind of move past that point. They, 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 I'd love to be able to do what you do and I'd love to be able to do just renovate a room in my house. And I'm like, well, it's not that hard. you just got to have a plan and, and, and then move forward. And a lot of people just go, oh, but it's, you know, they get stuck down in the detail. And it's sad because it's it's quite a simple process if you follow the plan, follow the budget, and you just get in there and do it, you know. She looks forward to the future where she shares what is happening for her in the upcoming five years. I'm really excited because I think our business is growing in terms of our investing. So um, we're now starting to work with investors and and owners even um, doing JVs on renovations. So that's really, really interesting and I'm, and I'm loving that because it just opens up new opportunities that perhaps might not be possible, might not have been possible before and like honestly, if you're sort of sort of hamstrung by the banks a little then there's other ways of doing stuff so that's something that we're really enjoying at the moment but also probably from a, on a personal level I really want to expand my impact on other people so mentoring coaching is a fantastic way of doing that and it, and you're not confined to physical location which is really exciting so you know I can jump on a call with someone who might be on the other side of the country and you can talk them through a renovation. You can talk them through a, how to plan, you know, all of the things, all the steps in this process. And that's really exciting for me because I think I'm not constrained by where I live. Um, so that's really exciting. So that's the stuff that, you know, I think I'm really, really wanting to spend more time on. Um, and helping women that may have been in the situation I was in um, is really exciting as well. Last question for you is, Julie, how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is because of luck? It's a good question, hey? I, I'm, I really don't believe in luck. I'm going to be honest. I think, you know, lots of people say, yeah, luck has so much to do with particularly investing and I, I'd have to disagree. I think, I think I do believe there's times when, you know, in life, things do line up and there's like coincidences, there's always opportunities or whatever. But I, I certainly absolutely believe that it's only by you intending or making like massive differences or massive um, actions that you will make the most of those opportunities. So it really boils down to, I mean, education is hugely important and having knowledge is absolutely important. But taking action on those two things, um, <laughs> absolutely the difference between success and not success. So I think having the guts and the motivation to move forward when there's things that aren't particularly going well also, um, I really think that for things, to, for, for things to change or things to move forward, you have to have some skin in the game, I like to call it, or some you know, there's got to be a commitment from you to make the most of that opportunity. And so really when you look at it, luck, it kind of doesn't really factor in it at all, really. I mean, 
there's been things in my life where I think, oh yeah, I could have gone that direction, or I could have got, or or I could go that direction. So you look at the situation and you decide whether you want to put yourself out there or not. So, you know, I could have said no to that competition. I could have said no to the whole journey that I went on, and I'm I'm so glad that I didn't. But you know, some people could say that's luck. I don't know. I put it out to the universe, and guess what happened? So I didn't know what. Um, I possibly didn't know how that would all work out, but I had this burning desire to know more about property. So things present themselves when you put yourself out there, I think. Thank you to Julie White, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.